Welcome. You're listening to RUF at the University of Oklahoma. Um, Matthew 20. So let me read uh, God's Word for you. Handout, and it's up here. So for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. And then he said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this last worker as I've given to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. Let me pray for us real quick. Dear Lord, thank you for these friends. Um, thank you that you've given me the privilege to the internship to call them my friends and that you brought them all here. Um, and that we're able to read from your word tonight. That that is just a thing we're able to do that's crazy. Um, that you've opened the opportunity and that we would just appreciate this text, and you would work through it and teach us something tonight, Lord, and work in all of our hearts. And be with us the rest of this week. In your name I pray. Amen. So let me move this. Get in better position. So, I'm going to review kind of what I just read for y'all. As you know, if you've been coming here this semester at all, or maybe you haven't, um, we're going through the parables of Jesus, um, which are little stories he tells. And so I'm just going to kind of briefly review what I just read, because I know sometimes you like tune out or whatever. So Jesus was telling them that there was this vineyard that needed workers. And so he had his foreman, the guy kind of in charge of the vineyard, go out and hire workers for the day. So at this time, people would stand in the marketplace. The poor, jobless people would stand in the marketplace and just wait on work and hope that someone, someone showed up to give them work or something to do for that day. So he went out. And the work day at this time was, I believe, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. So he went out at 6 a.m. and hired some workers, right? And notice it says that he agreed with them, so he negotiated with these workers for a denarius for the day. And a denarius at this time is the amount of money, it's kind of a day's wage is what it's considered. So they agreed to this payment, and he brought them in. And then it says, if you remember... It says the third hour, he went out again and got more workers, which is 9 a.m. And he went out the sixth hour, which is noon, and the ninth hour, which is 3. And then the eleventh hour, he went out for more workers, which is 5 p.m., which if you can do some math, you're all college students, right? 6 p.m., uh, 6 minus 5, that's one hour. So he hired guys to come work for one hour. 
And notice also with these other workers, so he negotiated with the original ones at 6 a.m., and the other ones, he didn't negotiate. And it's because they, they, they had been standing there since 6 a.m., and they had already kind of probably given up hope that they were going to get work today, and they weren't going to get paid today. They might not eat that day if they didn't have much money. And so when someone came along looking for work, these guys, like, later in the afternoon, like, noon and three and five, they just accepted. They didn't even negotiate a wage. They were just like, okay, I'm in. Whatever you're willing to pay me, I will take because I won't have anything otherwise. So with this, I'm going to try my best to relate to you crazy college kids. Um, I'm going to draw a picture of what this may look like to a college student. So... Imagine with me, you're in this incredibly difficult class, we'll call it calculus, and you're having a difficult semester in this class. It's incredibly difficult, a lot of studying involved, you know how terrible that is. Um, the final exam's coming up, and you've been working all semester, and you've got like a B, you're kind of on that BA line. Um, the final test is coming up, and the professor says to the class, trust me, if you study, you will pass this test. Now you have worked hard all semester, and you feel confident that you will do well in this exam as long as you put in a lot of time studying, like you've done all semester for his class, and you spend weeks preparing for this final test. You spend nights not sleeping, and you spend days like skipping other classes and ignoring other classes because you're so worried about calculus because it's so important in life. Hey. Um, so you spend weeks preparing, and it's finally arrived, the day for this test, and you're filled with anxiety, and you're covered in a nervous sweat, and you go in the classroom, and you take a seat, and the professor says, well, by showing up to class today, guys, you've all passed the final exam. Have a great Christmas. What would you think? I hear the disgust in the crowd. So the guy who just stumbled into class, uh, hung over from the night before, is ecstatic. He's so happy. He didn't think about this. He forgot he had it today. Um, the girl you know who sits on the other side of the class who needed like an A on this test to pass the course. She was about to fail out of this course. She's so happy. And you might for a brief moment be like happy for her, but deep down you're thinking, I could have failed this exam and I would still have a B in the class but I studied for weeks to make sure I got an A. I worked so hard, I didn't sleep, I neglected other classes for this one test. I wasted so much time when I could have not studied at all and done just as well. This is unfair, right? Does that feel unfair to you? Now that you're, I should have made you close your eyes. I like making people close their eyes to visualize my stories. Um, so what do you think? Was this fair? I mean, after all, it's the professor's grade to give, right? He's the teacher in this class. He decides what merits an A. Maybe you don't feel that way. In the same way, I want to say that this entire life is God's to give. Um, he is kind of the one in control of that. So one thing I want you to see here is that God is in control. We don't control our own destiny or the world, just as these workers don't control their earnings, the master does in this story. Um, God does, controls the earnings, the outcomes. So the master had all of the power in this situation, right? If you remember the parable I just read and explained, he had the choice to hire whoever he pleased to hire. Whoever He could have hired anyone. And he had the choice to pay whatever he wanted to pay. He negotiated with them. He could have just moved on to the next one. Someone would have accepted less than a denarius. 
people really needed work. It was all in this master of the foreman's power, right? To see these people get upset that they were paid equally as the ones who came later might bother us a little. We see the injustice here. We see that these guys did work all day, right? These guys worked all day and got paid as much as the guys who it even says that he went out at that hour to get them. So he went out at five o'clock to get them. So I don't know. By the time they showed up to work, I have no idea how much work they actually did. Um, but these guys worked all day while others barely worked an hour. That feels like injustice, right? It feels like it's not fair. Um, I'll admit, that's how I felt when I read it. <clears throat> we neglected to sleep for weeks studying for this stupid calculus test. It almost sounds like I'm talking about like a class I took in college. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> reliving these days. Um, I think the Bible talks about this and has something to say about this. So first we're going to look at, um, if we can go to the next slide, very briefly. Uh, no, not that slide. Uh, if we can go, yeah. Um, just briefly, Romans 9.20, Paul says, But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Well, what is molded say to its molder? Why have you made, you like, made me like this? Or we'll look at the next one, Daniel 4. So this is part of the book of Daniel that you probably don't know. Um, this is pre-Lion's Den Daniel, so you probably have no context for what's going on here. I know I'm often like, yeah, there's a, the furnace thing and the Lion's Den thing, right? That's all that happened in that book. <laughs> if you remember the king in the story of Daniel, and the Lion's Den is Nebuchadnezzar is the king. So let's look at this strange thing that happened to the king before the Lion's Den. So it says, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, and the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence, and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately, the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men, and he ate grass like an ox. It's weird. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. It says at the end of the day, this is Nebuchadnezzar talking, the end, of the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever. So listen to what he says. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? So, I briefly looked at what Paul said. Um, I don't know if you got it. It was really quick. Um, and then the Daniel 4 passage. And so, I want you to think about this in the context of the parable. These guys are questioning the master, which we're saying is, um, is God in the story. And they're questioning, how is this fair? What, what are you doing? This isn't fair. I worked. I did something. And what Nebuchadnezzar and Paul know firsthand is that I haven't done anything and that God is in control, and I cannot question that. Now, I say that, and I want you to keep in mind the Psalms 
um, I see like a brief aside here, that people do question God in the Bible, and it's okay for you to have questions. I don't want to discourage you from having questions or just feel like, well, I just have to accept everything and not, I, I want you to, I just want to preface with that, that it's okay to have questions. Um, but to question what God has done, uh, Nebuchadnezzar says, none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? So in Romans, Paul and in Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar both ask, who can question God? And they both answer that no one can question God. No one deserves to question God. No one is good enough to question God. So who's deserving at all of anything? Okay. So these people, back to the parable, move back there with me, are standing in the streets in the marketplace waiting for work, right? They're waiting. They're hoping someone comes along to hire them. Otherwise, they're going to be waiting there all day and probably not eat and have no money and be really sad. Um, if the master hadn't gone out and hired them, they would have just stood there waiting for work all day. They wouldn't have been paid any money that day. They would have gone hungry and not eaten anything that day. And it's only by the grace of God that this master needed work on this day. And he happened down this street on this marketplace at the time that these people happened to be waiting for work and that he saw these people and he just asked this worker to come with him. These, these guys are jobless. They don't know where the next food or meal may come from. Um, they don't have a career. They all just hope to get lucky every day that someone will come by needing work. And if no one does, then they're out of luck. None of them were really deserving because they didn't have a job. They weren't deserving to find work and get paid that day. Just as I say that none of us are deserving of God's grace and his mercy, God has always taken the undeserving and found them deserving. Since the beginning of time, God has used the people who don't seem useful. If you've read much of the Bible, um, you've probably heard that or you might have noticed that. Why is God choosing all these losers and criminals to work through? That doesn't make sense. These are the bad guys. The people who only put an, in an hour of work, he still chooses to pay a full wage. Um, I'm going to tell you, if y'all don't know about Jacob and Esau, I'm going to reference this real quick. Uh, so in this time, the father, fathers would give out a blessing. And Jacob and Esau are brothers, and their father Isaac was going to give out a blessing. And he was really old and had gone blind. And so Jacob, sneaky Jacob, decides to go into his father's tent and pretend to be his brother Esau. And even wears like goat skin on his arm to make it feel furry because Esau was hairier than him. Uh, it's really weird. Um, but he does that. That's how like caught up in this evil and this lie that he is. That's how bad Jacob was. And he goes in and his father gives him the blessing accidentally. This is a guy that if you know anything else about Jacob that God works through. The 12 disciples, if you heard about those crazy people, they include dumb fishermen and greedy tax collectors, like not the people that you'd be like would be in Jesus' posse, right? Why would he choose these guys? Uh, why wouldn't he choose the wise people? So the lowest of low have always been who God is interested in. That's no different here. It says, so the last will be first and the first last. Look, y'all, if you don't want to be a part of what God's got going on, or if you want to be a part of what God's got going on, you've got to be able to admit that you are also the lowest of the low. That you just got picked up off the side of the road in the marketplace, and then you worked for an hour and got lucky that they decided to pay you money. 
right? You have to be willing to admit that you alone haven't done anything that would make yourself worthy to God. You haven't done anything to deserve this money. You just kind of showed up and just got, God just happened to come out and find you and you showed up and you don't deserve his grace. And I'll say that neither did the thief on the cross that we sang about earlier. Um, and there is a fountain. We talk about the dying thief. He didn't deserve God's grace. Um, the one who has been a believer his whole life. So some of you grew up in a Christian home with Christian parents. And you may have considered yourself a Christian for your entire life. Um, you're just as deserving as the thief on the cross. Who I'll explain I'll set the scene before we get into the text. If you remember, Jesus, if you've heard the story of Jesus dying on the cross, he's dying, and there are two, there's a thief on each side of him, two criminals, and they're also being crucified like Jesus. And these guys didn't just like steal a loaf of bread. The death on the cross at this time was reserved for the most heinous of criminals. So think like Charles Manson or like John Wayne Gacy or these like really bad guys. Like these are bad people. That's what they reserve crucifying someone for. And these bad guys seemingly deserve their punishment. We would assume they did something to deserve this um, punishment. So if we'll go to the next slide. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him. So one of the thieves yelled at Jesus saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So not only is this the thief just as deserving as the one who has worked and been a Christian their entire life, this thief who, like, at the last minute, just, like, got so lucky. It was, like, the last second he was saved. Um, but even with that, take a look at verse 40 to 41. I'll read it again. The thief says, or says, but the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds, but this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. You see, guys, we're all guilty sinners who deserve death. Some of us have been gracefully given salvation since we were young, and some will receive it later in life. But the only person who has ever received a truly negative injustice is Jesus. The only one who did anything, who did nothing wrong. He's the only one who lived a perfect life and was sinless and did nothing wrong, and he's the one that died on the cross. He was given death. All of us are deserving of this punishment, and Jesus is the only one who wasn't, and he faced it for us. So we're all sinners, deserving of nothing, but God has shown us grace by offering a salvation that we have done nothing to deserve. Jesus, on the other hand, is the only one who has lived a sinless life. Like I said, he's the only one who deserves a salvation and blessing, and he's the only one that doesn't deserve to face death, but he did, so that you and I wouldn't have to. I want you to think about that for a second. Um, so we could work for one hour. We could be picked up at five o'clock right before the work closed. We could work for one hour, or not even work at all, like the thief on the cross, and be given so much more than we deserve. 
We hear this truth, but we're still, we'll still go about our week acting as if it's not true. We will act as though we must prove ourselves to God. We will act as though we must prove ourselves to others and make ourselves important. We actually, through this, we are honestly refusing to accept Jesus' death on the cross because for some reason we think that we can do better than that. We think we can be better than Jesus' death on the cross. We don't accept this grace daily, and we still carry ourselves as if we must impress. So all of you to consider what Jesus has done for you and in response to live in a position of gratitude. It's so easy to complain about things not going well. I do it all the time. It's so easy to find your identity in your work. I do that all the time. But we should be gracious toward God and what he has done for us and in turn show grace to others as we've been extended the ultimate grace. Because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, we should live in a constant state of gratitude that allows us to extend that grace and gratitude towards others daily. Because the ones who were hired at 6 a.m. didn't deserve any money. Like I said, they didn't deserve any money or work that day. It's, I mean, they, there was a very real chance that they could have stood there all day and had no money and no work and no food. They didn't deserve that work. They should have been overjoyed that these guys who were brought in at 3 o'clock and at 5 o'clock were paid just as much. They should have been overjoyed that, wow, we were all paid today. We all live another day. We all eat another day. In the same way, we have been given something that we don't deserve. These guys should have been excited that something was given that wasn't deserved, and we have also been given that. So this week, I want you all to think about how gracious this God is and what he has done for us and what that means for us. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, again, thank you for these friends and for this word. Um, I thank you that you give me the opportunity to speak it, and I pray that you worked, because without you, um, if it's just me talking, there's nothing going on here. Um, and I thank you that you've given us another day, that you've given us your son, and that you have given us this week, and that we would make use of it for you, God. Um, and I can just thank you for everything you've done, and be with us for us this week. In your name I pray, amen.